Shalom, brothers and sisters. I'm Brother Sid. I have Brother Joshua assisting me today. We are the Commandment Keepers Church. Today we have a detailed lesson prepared for our brothers and sisters internationally. Today's lesson will be called Truth is in the Details, brothers and sisters. The attention paid to small things has big rewards, brothers and sisters. Whatever one does should be done thoroughly. And the truth, if it exists, is in the details, brothers and sisters. Today we will learn that the smallest details make the biggest differences. This is going to be an advanced lesson, brothers and sisters. So we would encourage you to grab your pen and pad. Jot down these precepts, brothers and sisters, because today's teachings will help you understand the Bible with more enrichment. Brothers and sisters, we're going to have Brother Joshua read Jeremiah chapter 9, verse 23 and 24, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah 9, verse 23. Thus said the Lord, let not the wise man glory in his own wisdom. Let what, brother? Let not the wise man glory in his own wisdom. Neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. It's talking about not boasting. Why? Because often our boastful spirit is a cover-up for our insecurities, brothers and sisters. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 23. Thus said the Lord, Let not the wise man glory in his wisdom, neither let the mighty man glory in his might. Let not the rich man glory in his riches, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That what, brother? That he understandeth and knoweth me. Read 24 from the top, brother, please. Verse 24. Listen closely, brothers and sisters. But let him that glorieth glory in this. In what? In this, that he understandeth and knoweth me. That he understandeth and knoweth me. So the boasting that Jeremiah urges is one of <clears throat> one's knowledge of the Most High. Could you read 24 again? Verse 24, but let him that glorieth glory in this, that he understandeth and knoweth me, that I am the Lord which exercise loving kindness, judgment, and righteousness in the earth, for in these things I delight, said the Lord. Now look at that. We must delight in what he delights in, brothers and sisters. So from the Most High's perspective, the knowledge of him and his purpose is man's most important glory. Brothers and sisters, and today we're going to learn about the Most High. Anybody who has read the Bible, anyone who studies the Bible frequently would understand that the Most High uses a, a multitude of relational terms when, he re when he's speaking about his people, brothers and sisters. And we're going we're gonna to dive into the details of some of these relational terminologies and how they open up. The scriptures, how they put emphasis on certain characteristics, certain traits, brothers and sisters. We just wanted to go here to show you that Jeremiah urges us to boast only in our knowledge of the Most High. We're getting to know our God today, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Isaiah 54 and 5. Isaiah chapter 54 and 5 says what, brother? Isaiah 54, verse 5. For thy maker is thine husband, and the Lord of hosts is his name. And thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. The Holy One of who? Israel. 
The God of the whole earth shall be called. Now look at this, brothers and sisters. The God of the whole earth shall he be called. He is the God of the whole earth, brothers and sisters, and not just the children of Israel. However, he is the Redeemer of Israel. Could you read that one more time, brother? Isaiah 54, verse 5. For thy maker is thine husband. That's the key right there. So in this verse, we hear an astonishing truth. Brothers and sisters, Israel is in fact the wife of the Most High God. The Lord of hosts is his name, and thy Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, the God of the whole earth, he shall he be called. Now read that first part, brother. For thy maker is thine husband. Right there, brothers and sisters. It says husband. That's one of those relational terminologies. That we're going to dive into the details regarding brothers and sisters. Because when he says husband, he's emphasizing his love for Israel. His commitment to her. His expectations. Brothers and sisters. So what we're reading here is the Most High's relationship with the ethnic Israelites. Brothers and sisters. The Most High will own Israel for his spouse and do the duty of a husband. So now we have to go into this. This term husband, you'll see it quite frequently in text, in the literature, brothers and sisters. He refers to Israel as his bride or his wife or the bride of Christ. So we have to, let's deal with that terminology when he's, he's speaking about husband and, and wife. Let's go to Numbers 6 and 27. We're going to the Torah, brothers and sisters. We're going to have Brother Joshua read verse 27. Remember... Isaiah 50, uh, 54 said that he is the husband of Israel. Number 6, <clears throat> verse 27. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Read that again, brother, please. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Now, brothers and sisters, what happens when you get married? Usually. The wife takes the last name of the husband. See, so now this scripture actually makes sense because he, in the, script, the, the previous text, he said he was the husband of Israel. In this text, he says what, brother? Verse 27, and they shall put my name upon the children of Israel. That's the key right there. The name of the Most High put upon his people indicates God's property. Brothers and sisters, what is his name? He told Moses his name was I am, that I am, and that shall be his name forever. Now, in the ancient Phoenician Hebrew, it didn't say I am. That's English. So it really didn't say I am. What it said translates to I am. His name is Ahiah. I am that I am is Ahiah, Ashah, Ahiah. His name is Ahiah, brothers and sisters. It says he shall put, or they shall put their name, or his name upon the children of Israel. So this distinguishes Israel from all others, brothers and sisters. See how important understanding the terminology when he's referencing husband, wife, bride. You see that? Read that one more time, brother, please. Number 6, verse 27. And they shall put my name upon the children of Israel, and I will bless them. Now look at that. Once you have his name, he does what? He blesses you. Why? Because you're his wife. <laughs> so under the concept of coverture, when you take someone's name, that means you're covered by them. 
So it magnifies that our identity apart from our spouse demands no recognition, brothers and sisters. Speaking to Israelites here. Brother Joshua, let's go to Proverbs 12 and 4 because now that we know we carry the Most High's name. What does that mean for us? Proverbs 12 verse 4. Now remember, we are the wife to the living God. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. What did that say, brother? A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband. But she that maketh ashamed is a rottenness in his bones. Now look at this. It's telling you a wife should be a crown to her husband. Brothers and sisters, crowns are designed for what? Crowns are designed to point out the greatness of the king. See? So an obsequacious wife is an emblem of what? Of honor and glory, brothers and sisters. Now we have to know that. Why? Because we're carrying his name, which means we're his representation. When you're in a relationship, whether you're married, you know, or you just have boyfriend, girlfriend, you know, guess what? When you're in a relationship, that man represents that woman. So if that man's behavior is not one that's conducive to a healthy relationship, that sister is what? Ashamed when she hears that her man is doing what? He's out frolicking. He, he's flesh peddling. He's dealing with other women. It makes her embarrassed. It makes her ashamed. Why? Because he represents her. Same thing with the sisters. When the, when the sister is out doing things that make the man look bad, he's ashamed. Why? Because they represent each other. Read that one more time, brother, please. Proverbs 12, verse 4. A virtuous woman is a crown to her husband, but she that maketh ashamed is as rottenness is as rottenness in his bones. Now look at that. It's telling you a good wife is her husband's pride and joy. A seditious wife compromises his reputation. It says, <laughs> one that is maketh the husband ashamed is like a rottenness in his bones. It's like a cancer, brothers and sisters. See? So now you're understanding when he says he is the husband of the children of Israel. Israel is the wife of the Most High God. It's showing you as his wife, you have the ability to do what? You have an ability to make him look good or you have an, a, an ability for him to be ashamed. Your behavior would result in, you know, him being ashamed of us, brothers and sisters. Ashamed to call us his own any man who's been with a, a loose woman, <laughs> you understand that? Any sister who's been cheated on and learned from her friends or learned from someone else other than him has been ashamed. So we need to put it in that type of context, brothers and sisters, so you can fully grasp the concept that the Most High is disseminating here. We wanted to go here to show you the representation. The wife is a representation of her husband. To magnify that, let's go to Isaiah. Let's go to the Tanakh. Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62 and 3. <clears throat> Isaiah 62 verse 3. What does that say, brother? Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord. Thou shalt what, brother? 
thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal <clears throat> datum in the hand of thy God. Now look at that. A crown of glory is an expression that magnifies nobility and dignity, brothers and sisters. The Most High's diadem proclaims his, his, his beauty, his goodness, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 3. Thou shalt also be a crown of glory in the hand of the Lord, and a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. See, a royal diadem in the hand of thy God. A crown of glory. We're supposed to bring glory to him as his wife. So we're reading what? We're reading the amplification of the king's affluence, brothers and sisters. Now that would mean what? That would mean as the spouse of the Most High God, we would need to know what is required to make him look good, brothers and sisters. To, to raise the awareness of his affluency, brothers and sisters. Right. So we would have to learn how to do that. We would have to learn how to be a wife. We would have to learn how to be a good spouse to our husband, who is the most high God, the creator of all things. Let's go to Ephesians to find that out. Follow us to the New Testament, brothers and sisters. We're going to go to Ephesians 5 and 33, brothers and sisters. Look at this closely. <clears throat> Ephesians 5, verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. See what, brother? See that she reverence her husband. Now remember, brothers and sisters, the Most High said that we are his wife. He is our husband. And he's giving you the duty of a Husband, it tells the husband to read it one more time, brother, please. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. Now that's the key. You will rarely, you will be hard pressed, brothers and sisters, to ever see the Bible command a woman to love her husband. It says, see that she reverence her husband. So it tells a man, listen, love your wife. You can't love a man the way you love a woman. Sister, try to give your man flowers and see his response. See, so it's something key here. It tells the wife to read it one more time, brother. Verse 33. Nevertheless, let every one of you in particular so love his wife even as himself. And the wife see that she reverence her husband. It's telling you, a man will interpret respect in praise as love. <laughs> see? So this is key information because sisters don't even understand this. They don't even know this. You will be hard pressed to ever see a command for a woman to love the husband. It tells her to respect him, to praise him. And if you respect and praise him, he will interpret that as love. Brothers and sisters, men and women interpret love differently, and that's why we had to go here, brothers and sisters. It tells the wife to respect her husband, to praise her husband. Now, the question is, what does respect look like in the context of our relationship with the Most High? Let's go to Exodus 34 and 14. 
to show you what respect looks like in that context. Exodus 34 verse 14. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now look at that. Examine the way the Most High depicts his feelings towards us. Brothers and sisters, the Most High makes claim to the supreme regard of his bride. He's saying, listen, you don't praise anyone else. <laughs> I'm your main focus. Same thing a brother would say to his wife or his girlfriend or whatever the case may be. Can you read that again, brother? Verse 14. For thou shalt worship no other God. For the Lord, whose name is Jealous, is a jealous God. Now look at that. We're reading a husband who refuses to be dishonored by his spouse, brothers and sisters. That's why Ephesians 5 and 33 said it told the wife or the woman to reverence her husband. Because the Most High, just like the man, operate on respect and praise. <laughs> See? If you praise a man, he'll start overextending himself. He'll pull a hamstring trying to do, you know, trying to, to prove you right, sister. Same thing here. The Most High said, listen, your focus needs to be on me, not these other gods out there, because he's a jealous God. See? So we must not act in any way inconsistent with the relation we bear to him. What relationship do we bear to him? We carry his name. We are his spouse. He is our husband. Now that come everything we're learning here comes with that word husband. So when you read the most high is our husband or we are his bride, this is what it emphasizes. Everything we're going into is what should come to mind. Is the light bulb that should start flashing in your mind when you read that relational terminology. Husband, wife, bride. To magnify that, let's go to Hosea, brother. Because there's a certain responsibility when you're in a relationship, especially with the Most High God. And this is what happens when you put other gods before him. Hosea 1 verse 9. Then said God, call his name Laomi. Loami. Loami. For ye are not my people. For what? For ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. Now that word loami in the Hebrew, brothers and sisters, means not my people. That's what it means. Can you read that one more time, mm -hmm. brother? Verse 9. Then said God, call his name loami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. This is what happens when you don't reverence him. When you start paying more attention or any attention to these other gods or these other men, if you want to put it in that type of context, brothers and sisters, we're showing you that this literature here illustrates the Most High's displeasure with his wayward wife. See? Are you seeing that clearly, brothers and sisters? The Most High broke off his relationship with Israel temporarily due to persistent sinfulness. The same thing a, a flesh and blood man would do if a woman was more committed to some other man out there <laughs> than she was her man. See? Read that one more time, brother, please. Hosea 1 verse 9. Then said God, 
Call his name Loami, for ye are not my people, and I will not be your God. See, so since we refuse to have a parochial vision concerning our spouse, we are no longer his people for a time. And this was the consequence of a wandering eye, which all throughout scripture Israel had, brothers and sisters. See, I need you to look at that closely, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Amos 3 and 1. I'm going to read, we're going to have Brother Joshua read 1 through 3. Amos 3 verse 1. Hear this word that the Lord has spoken against you, O children of Israel. O who? O children of Israel, against the whole family which I brought up from the land of Egypt, saying. Saying what? You only have I known for all the families of the earth. You're the only one I have known out of all the families of the earth. Here it is. He's saying, listen, I was married to you. I was your husband. You were my wife. I have never married another. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 2. Verse 2. You only have I known for all the families of the earth. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. He's saying, out of all the families of the earth, you're the only one that I knew. Therefore, I will punish you for your sin. What's the next scripture say, brother? Verse 3. Can two walk together, except they be agreed? Can what, brother? Can two walk together, except they be agreed? See, so the condition necessary to walk with the Most High is what? It's agreement, brothers and sisters. So it highlights the requirement of agreement in order to walk together, brothers and sisters. Being that he was our husband, we're reading the power of agreement, brothers and sisters. I need you to look at that closely. Because why is he doing this? Because we were married to him. Guess what? If there's another woman out there or, or brother out there, sisters, who have a wandering eye, but he's not your man or She's not your your wife or woman. Are you bothered with by that? <laughs> exactly. You're not. Because why? You're only bothered by the person you're in covenant with. Same thing the Most High is saying here. Brothers and sisters. Read verse 2 one more time, brother. Verse 2. You only have I known of all the families of the earth. Only you, Israel. Therefore, I will punish you for all your iniquities. See? It's just like a, a traditional relationship, brothers and sisters, between a man and a woman. And we have to understand that when he uses that relational terminology, husband, bride, wife, betrothed, espoused. See, we have to put it in layman's terms, brothers and sisters, so we can, uh, we can understand it with clarity, brothers and sisters. That's why we're going into this lesson. To show you how one word can, can you know, open up the whole concept of what you're understanding, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Micah, brother. We're going to go to Micah 7 and 18 because he said, listen, I divorced you, Israel. I divorced you. Micah 7 verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee, that pardoneth iniquity, and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? 
He retaineth not his anger forever. He what, brother? He retaineth not his anger forever. Because he delighteth in mercy. Because what? Because he delighteth in mercy. So it emphasizes the Most High's mercy in pardoning iniquity. He wouldn't stay angry with Israel forever. See? So consider the nature of the Most High. His very essence is love. And mercy is but one of the forms of love, brothers and sisters. So yes, he did divorce us, but it was for time. We were married again. We were able to be married again through his son. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 18. Who is a God like unto thee that pardoneth iniquity and passeth by the transgression of the remnant of his heritage? He retaineth not his anger forever no. mm -hmm. because he delighteth in mercy. Because what? Because he delighteth in mercy. Brothers and sisters, mercy by definition is undeserved. So we were undeserved. And the Most High's gift of mercy, as we will learn, is always unmerited, brothers and sisters. So here it is, we're learning, if you're a husband, if you're a boyfriend, right? You're learning how to be a husband from the Most High. Also, we're learning how to be a wife. <laughs> so we're learning how we are supposed to be to Him, right? And how your woman or wife should be. And guess what? What is he magnifying here is mercy. Because I know some brothers who, as soon as a sister make a, you know, have a transgression, he, he's like, get on out of here. You, the, you, you heard what the law said. I can show you in the law where it say, get away from me. The Most High is looking like, how many times have you transgressed? Yet haven't I forgiven you? See, so here it is. We're learning a lot about the Most High because why? We're supposed to emulate the characteristics of the Most High because why? We are his wife. So here is emphasizing mercy, even though we've done wrong. Compassion, even though we've done wrong. So let's magnify that. Let's go to Jeremiah. Brother Joshua, we're going to go to Jeremiah 3 and 20. What does that say, brother? Jeremiah 3 verse 20. Surely as a wife treacherously departed from her husband. There it is again. There's that word, husband. See, when you see that, now your mind is opened up. And that's why we're, we're breaking down these relational terms. Because sometimes he'll refer to himself as husband or father. There's a lot, or he'll refer to us as his children, his daughter. These words mean something, brothers and sisters. So you have to understand what this relational terminology, what the context or what the concept is with these terms. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 20. Surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have he dealt treacherously with me. O house of Israel, said the Lord. Now look at that. Jeremiah, excuse me, Jeremiah compares Israel's spiritual disloyalty to an adulterous woman. See, brothers and sisters, look at that closely. Can you read that one more time, brother? Verse 20. Surely as a wife treacherously departeth from her husband, so have ye dealt treacherously with me, O house of Israel, said the Lord. Now look at that. Continue, brother. Verse 21. 
a voice was heard upon the high places, weeping and supplications of the children of Israel, for they have perverted their way. Because what? For they have perverted their way, and they have forgotten the Lord their God. So these, you know, these scriptures vividly illustrate Israel's spiritual disloyalty to her spouse. Continue, brother. Verse 22. Return, ye backsliding children, and I will heal your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee. For thou art the Lord our God. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 22. Return, ye backsliding children. See, that's the mercy. Jeremiah outlines the path to reconciliation with the Most High. We're reading the Most High's divine willingness to extend mercy. Here it is. He's taken back. He's given us an opportunity to come back. Verse 22. Return. Ye backsliding children, and I will hear your backslidings. Behold, we come unto thee, for thou art the Lord our God. See, so this is what I bring. When Christians try to say, well, no, Israel is not God's chosen people anymore because he divorced them. Yes, he divorced them for a time, but he gave them an opportunity to be reconciled. See, because that's mercy. This is what rabbis and, and Baptist ministers try to say, brothers and sisters. Well, no, nah, he did away with Israel. Well, what is this saying here where he said, return to me, backsliding children, and I will heal you. Read verse 1, brother. Go to Jeremiah 3 and 1. Jeremiah 3, verse 1. Look at this closely. They say, if a man put away his wife, and she go from him, and become another man's, Shall he return unto her again? Because why in the law, brothers and sisters, and people, you know, will say, listen, when you, when you, when you divorce a sister or brother, you can't get back together. Moses said that. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse one. They say, if a man put away his wife and she go from him and become another man's, shall he return unto her again? Shall not that land be greatly polluted? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. But what? But thou hast played the harlot with many lovers. Yet return again to me, said the Lord. Yet what? Yet return again to me, said the Lord. See, the mercy and compassion of the Most High is far beyond man's comprehension. See? If look at that closely, brothers and sisters. He said, how many times have you played the harlot and yet I'm giving you, you know, space to come back to me? See, brothers and sisters, I need you to look at that clearly. I need you to look at that closely, brothers and sisters, because anyone who knows the Torah knows that Moses said you can't take a you can't take her back after after you've divorced her. But the Most High is saying something different here. Brother Joshua, go to Hosea 3 and 1 to show you how the Most High extended his mercy to us, even though we did what? We were adulterous to our husband. Hosea 3 verse 1. Now this is what he told Hosea. If you haven't read Hosea, I would encourage you to do so, because Hosea was told to marry a prostitute. The Most High commanded him to marry a prostitute. Why? So he would know how it felt to deal with a loose woman or a loose wife. 
Then said the Lord unto me, What did he say? <clears throat> then said the Lord unto me, Go yet, love a woman beloved by her friend, yet an adulteress. Yet a what? Yet an adulteress, according to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel. According to what? According to the love of the Lord toward the children of Israel, who took to other gods. Who looked to other gods. Who looked to other gods and loved flagons of wine. Now look at that. Brothers and sisters, <laughs> see, so he's like, listen, Hosea, I want you to deal with a woman who's going to be an adulteress the same way that I love the children of Israel and they have a wandering eye. Every time I look up, they're trying to serve another God. They want to deal with Islam. They want to deal with Buddhism. They want to deal with Christianity. They want to deal with all the other gods, but me. And I still receive them back. See? Now, I know Israelites, right? Israelites who think they know the law. They'll say, well, you know, I've heard people say, well, not about this, but they'll say it in regards to telling another person. When you divorce him or divorce her, you can't take her back or take him back. That's in the law. Well, is it in the law? Was that in the law, brothers and sisters? Because Moses put that in the law. But Christ said... That was Moses' law. That wasn't the Most High's law. He extended mercy that even though he divorced us through mercy, through compassion, you could take her back. And the reason I say that, because if a brother divorced a woman and he asked me, is he allowed to take her back? I will tell him, brother, you could do it. The Most High give you the liberty to do it. Usually it doesn't work out, but I can't then say, well, nah, brother, you, you, you said nah to her. You, you, you cut her off. You, you can't get back with her. That's not the Bible. Let's prove that. Let's go to Matthew 19 and 7, Brother Joshua, to show you that that particular law in the Torah, Moses, <laughs> that was a law that Moses came up with. Why? Because our people just kept bickering. All throughout the wilderness, every day he was dealing with brothers and their wives, <laughs> not getting along. Same thing goes on today. We just bicker back and forth. Let's go to Matthew, excuse me, 19 and 7. Listen to this closely. Matthew 19, verse 7. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement? And to put her away. Read that one more time. They say unto him, Why did Moses then command to give a writing of divorcement? And to put her away. He said unto them, What did he say? Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives. But from the beginning it was not so. But what? But from the beginning it was not so. But what, brother? But from the beginning, it was not so. See, he said, Moses allowed you to put away your wives. But from the beginning, it was not so. So he said, I didn't give that commandment. And the reason I'm bringing that up, because somebody, a naysayer, would try to say, well, see, God have laws and he don't even follow those laws. I'm not dealing with the Bible. I'm going to deal with Egyptology. No, nah, the Most High didn't break his own law. That was Moses' law. And the creator is not going to listen to a law of his creation. So our Israelite brothers and sisters have to be very careful thinking they're Torah scholars. <laughs> and they want to enforce something until you study thoroughly.
See, because the smallest details make the greatest difference. Yes. In the Torah, Moses said, listen, if you put away a wife, you can't take her back. The Most High is saying, or Christ rather, is saying, that whole divorcement writing, that was Moses' law. See? Let's go to Hosea, brother. Back to Hosea. 2 and 19. Because here it is. Now, the Most High said he would receive us back. The Most High had vows unto us. Let's listen to him. Hosea 2, verse 19. I will betroth thee unto me forever. Listen, I betroth thee, I betroth thee unto me forever, which means what? Forever. This wouldn't be temporary, brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, brother. Verse 19. I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yeah, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, and in judgment, and in loving kindness. And in mercy. Now, brothers and sisters, if the Most High says something twice, pay special attention to it. it. That means it's vitally important. What did he say twice? Read it one more time, brother. Verse 19. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yeah, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness. See? And in judgment. And in loving kindness and in mercy. Now, the key part, he said, he says, this time I'll betroth thee unto me forever. So his faithfulness would not be temporal, brothers and sisters. See? Read that one more time, brother, because there's something I need our brothers and sisters to catch. Verse 19. And I will betroth thee unto me forever. Yeah, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness. That's the key, righteousness. And in judgment. And in judgment. And in loving kindness and in mercy. See, so there's responsibility to live our lives holy, upright, worthy of a partner who is God himself. <laughs> he said, I'll be married to you in righteousness. See? What's verse 20 say, brother? Verse 20. I will even betroth thee on me in faithfulness, and thou shalt know the Lord. See? So look at that. What we're reading must be a mutual it must be mutual and reciprocal, brothers and sisters. He said, I will betroth thee unto me in righteousness, in judgment, loving kindness, and in mercies. So though unworthy, there would be no impediment to, pre excuse me, to prevent Israel from returning to God's favor, brothers and sisters. See? So here it is. We're learning mercy from the husband. And for men who are in relationships or married, they have to learn this same thing. They have to learn this same thing. That's why Jeremiah said what? Jeremiah said, if you want to boast, boast in your knowledge of God. <laughs> here it is. We're learning about the Most High. What we're reading here is clemency at its finest, brothers and sisters. Now, everything we just went into... Come from one word, husband, <laughs> wife, bride. Everything we just, all the scriptures we just went into, brothers and sisters, should come to your mind whenever he referred to himself as husband and you as his wife. Let's go to Ecclesiasticus 26, brother, in the Apocrypha. I'm going to go to Ecclesiasticus 26 and 3. Ecclesiasticus 26, 
verse 3, A good wife is a good portion, which shall be given in the portion of them that fear the Lord. What did that say, brother? A good wife is a good portion, which shall be given in the portion of them that fear the Lord. Jump to verse 23 now, brother. Ecclesiasticus 26 and 23. A wicked woman is given as a portion to a wicked man. Read that again. A wicked woman is given as a portion to a wicked man, but a godly woman is given to him that feareth the Lord. See? So the fourth, excuse me, the first course of action is to learn how to be a virtuous spouse, brothers and sisters, for man and woman. Why? Because until we comprehend how to be a valuable spouse to him, providing me a spouse of my own would be unmerited. <laughs> See? He said, listen, until you learn how to be a good spouse to me, you don't need a spouse of your own. <laughs> See? This is for men and women. Brother, if you can't honor me, a God that you can't see, how can you honor a woman? How can you respect that covenant? Sister, if you can't honor and respect and submit to me, the God who wakes you up every morning, how in the world could you submit to a brother whose feet smell like corn chips after a hard day at work? Doesn't It's no way. <laughs> See? So here it is. We went into these scriptures. Why? So we could learn how to be a valuable spouse to the Most High. Let's continue, brothers and sisters. Because today we're going to learn the relational terminologies excuse me, used in the Bible will illuminate the concept of that particular text, brothers and sisters. Let's go to our next relational terminology. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians 8 and 6, brothers and sisters. Look at this closely. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. But to us there is but one God. The Father. The who? The Father. The who, brother? The Father. Now, brothers and sisters, here's another relational term. Sometimes he says he's our husband. Sometimes he says he's our father. Now, you can't mix these things up, brothers and sisters. We're going to break this all the way down. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 6. But to us there is but one God. The Father. Now, brothers and sisters, when you look at that word Father, the biblical definition means source and sustainer. So I always tell brothers, listen, don't, you know, you're boasting about being a father. You may be only half a father, brother, because it's not only source, but sustain. So a father is not a father unless he sustains what he produces, according to the Bible. Continue, brother. Of whom are all things, and we in him, and one and one Christ, by whom are all things, and we by him. So look at that. He produced all things himself, uncreated and unoriginated, brothers and sisters. So the whole work of creation derives from the origin of the Most High. That makes him the Father. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 6. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in him, and one Christ, by whom are all things, 
and we by him. So look at that. He's the author of all things who sustains all of his creation. So when he refers to us as his children or himself as our father, that should open up your mind into everything that we're getting ready to go into, brothers and sisters. Because it matters when he shows the difference between father or husband. There's two different characteristic traits that he's speaking of. When he refers to us as his children or his wife, they mean two separate things, brothers and sisters. And that's why today's lesson is called, The Truth is in the Details. Because if you overlook the minutia, brothers and sisters, you will have a tough time really maturing spiritually, brothers and sisters. Let's read that one more time and then go to Psalms 121. 26? Yes, sir. 1 Corinthians 8, verse 6. But to us there is but one God, the Father, of whom are all things, and we in Him, and one Christ, by whom are all things, and we by Him. Now remember, brothers and sisters, Father means source and sustainer. So that means if he's claiming to be the father, he must sustain what he is the father of. He must sustain, he must provide for what he has produced. Let's prove that, brothers and sisters. Let's prove that. Brother Joshua, let's go to Psalms, brother. Psalms 121, verse 2 through 5, or excuse me, 2 through 8. Let's read, let's read it straight through, 2 through 8, because we're showing you. That he's a provider. Why? Because father means source and sustainer. What's that say, brother? Psalms 121 verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord. It says what? My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. Now here it is. He made heaven and earth. That makes him the father of it. And then in the same scripture, he's saying my help come from the Father. See? Brother Joshua, read verse 2 again. Psalms 121, verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now, brothers and sisters, here we're reading the functionality of fatherhood. I need you to listen to it closely. Because father means source and sustainer. Now, you're going to need to know this. Could you read it from verse 2 again, brother? Psalms 121, verse 2. My help cometh from the Lord, which made heaven and earth. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. So, there it is. He's showing us a father is a support system. What did verse 3 say again, brother? Verse 3. He will not suffer thy foot to be moved. He that keepeth thee will not slumber. Behold, he that keepeth Israel shall neither slumber nor sleep. Now, that's key. He said, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved. So, a father is the foundation a father is consistent. It says, he shall neither slumber nor sleep, which is showing what? Consistency. See, a father must be consistent. 
to what he's produced according to the Bible. It says, he will not suffer thy foot to be moved, which means he is the foundation. He is the, you know, he is what holds you up as you're being reared, as you're being raised. Read verse 5, brother, please. Verse 5. <clears throat> the Lord is thy keeper, and the Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day, nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall what? He shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. So here it is. A father is also a protector. Read 5 through 7 again, brother. Please. Psalms 121, verse 5. The Lord is thy keeper. The Lord is thy shade upon thy right hand. The sun shall not smite thee by day. He is the shade from the heat of the earth, brothers and sisters. He will protect you. Nor the moon by night. The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and even ever forevermore. See? So a father is a protector. He provides support. He provides a foundation. He provides consistency. He provides protection. So he's a fortress of refuge. This is all of the context, brothers and sisters, that you must keep in mind. You must be cognizant of when he refers to himself as the father or he refers to you as his children. Everything we just read is what the context of the scripture is. So now... When you see the word father or children, he wants you with this mindset here. That he's the foundation. He's the protector. He's the provider. He's the teacher. That's what the, that's what the scripture will be about. This helps you break down scripture, brothers and sisters. This helps you teach scripture to a family member or friend. You have to be, play, pay close attention to what relational terminology he's utilizing in that text, brothers and sisters. We just wanted to show you father means source and sustainer. So a father must sustain what he is the source of. Now, let's go to the gospel, Brother Joshua. We're going to go to Mark. We're going to go to Mark 10 and 6, brother. What does that say? Mark 10, verse 6. Listen closely. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. Read that again. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. So God made male and female. Here it is. He's the source. He's the sustainer. That means not only is he the source of the male and the female, but he's also the sustainer of the male and the female. It says from the beginning of creation. I want to make it clear. The Most High did not begin in the beginning. He began the beginning. So never confuse that, brothers and sisters. He didn't start at start. He started start. Before there was a beginning, before Genesis 1-1, he was already there, brothers and sisters. And I wanted to make that clear. Read that one more time, please, Brother Joshua. Mark 10, verse 6. <clears throat> Excuse me. But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. The Most High is the first cause and the last end. 
of all. He is the father or author of all human nature, brothers and sisters, according to this text here. The key thing I want you to not miss is verse 7. Verse 7. For this cause shall a man cleave his... Excuse me. Verse 7. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. Read that again, brother. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And what? And cleave to his wife. I want you to look at that closely. Brothers and sisters, read that from the top, brethren, please, because this is, we need them to catch this. Mark 10, verse 6. But from the beginning of the creation, God made the male and female. For this cause shall the man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. It says the man shall leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. Brothers and sisters, when you closely examine the Bible, you see that a woman is never supposed to leave her father. It says, for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother. A woman is never supposed to leave her father. Why? Because the man is supposed to become the father. Not the physical father. He's supposed to take the place of the father. See? Men have missed God's understanding of what male is. Let's prove that because I know it sounds... I know. Sounds kind of weird. You probably never heard that before. But we're actually reading the Bible. The husband is supposed to pick up where the father left off. Let's magnify that. Let's go to 1 Corinthians 11. First Corinthians 11 and 8. Why do we say that the man is supposed to be a father to the woman? 1 Corinthians 11, verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Read that again, brother, please. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. The man didn't come from the woman. The woman came from the man, which makes him what? See? <laughs> man is the substance of which woman was first made. He is the source. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 8. For the man is not of the woman, but the woman of the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. See? So God didn't go to the soil to make the woman. The woman is the offspring of the man. Man was created first. Therefore, anything that came afterwards is his offspring. See? So that means Eve was the offspring of Adam. Now think about this, brothers and sisters. In a modern day marriage, the daughter, or the wife rather, she's dressed up, has all her family and friends. Who walks her down the aisle? The father walks her down the aisle and gives her hand to her then-be husband. He's telling you, listen, I, I carried her this far. I protected her, I taught her, I provided for her. I've taken her as far as I can. You have to take over now. See? See that, brothers and sisters? When you look at it closely, now you're understanding it. That's what a father is doing. He's passing his responsibility over to the man now. This is why it's usually, you know, historically... You had to get the you had to get the okay from the family, especially the father, if there was a father there. 
Why? Because the father raised the daughter. He knows exactly what the daughter needs. He knows her likes, her dislikes. Why? He raised her. He protected her. He provided for her. And now he's going to give that responsibility to the man that can take her the rest of the way until she dies. See? So man has misunderstood what God's understanding of male is. A lot of sisters are only getting a lover. They're not getting a father. And that's the problem. A sister wants somebody to be just like her father, which means, not in that kind of way, which means the father is what? The father not only is the provider, he's the protector. He's the comforter. He comforts her. He counsels her. He listens to his daughter. See? That's what a father is supposed to do. So man, according to the Bible, is the source of the woman and therefore must sustain her. See? The Bible has a wealth of knowledge, brothers and sisters, if you take the time to read it carefully. That's why the father walks the woman down the aisle and hands her to him. And then what happens? Her name. <laughs> her name now becomes the man's last name. It's a transfer of what the Bible would say property because you belong to the father. Now you belong to another man. The man that's going to protect you, provide for you, counsel you, teach and instruct you for the rest of your life. That's according to the Bible. Read those two scriptures again, brother, please. 1 Corinthians 11, verse 10. Verse 8. Verse 8. For the man is not of the woman... But the woman of the man. See, the man is not of the woman. He didn't come from the woman. The woman came from the man. Neither was the man created for the woman, but the woman for the man. See, so that's why we had to show you that if you're the source of it, you have to also sustain it. Therefore, you are a father. You're only a father if you sustain what you have produced. So that means... The man must be what? The man must have provision for the woman. See? This is why you have to read your Bible, brothers and sisters. Brothers, this is why we have to read the Bible, what's actually there. And stop dealing with, you know, there's all this false philosophy and theology, brothers and sisters. Because if brothers understood this, we could stay together. We could stay together. Our relationships would last because a man would understand his responsibility isn't just to make love. That's not his responsibility. That's not his only responsibility. His responsibility is to the same way he would treat his daughter, pretty much. To treat his wife. To listen to her. To comfort her. To counsel her. To provide for her. To protect her. All of those things. See? Let's continue. Let's go to Luke 11 and 11. To show you a father's role. What is he to do? Because not only is the most high the father. Our father that is. Male and woman. But the man is the father of not only the woman. But the children. Let's show you. Let's go to Luke. 
brothers and sisters, follow us to the gospel. We're at Luke 11 and 11. Luke 11, verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father. That is a what? That is a father. That is a what, brother? That is a father. Will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? What we're reading here, brothers and sisters, is the chief role of fatherhood is what? To provide. That's what these scriptures are showing you. If a son asks any of you who is a father. See, look at that closely. Read that one more time, brother, please. Luke 11, verse 11. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he ask a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he shall ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? See, so we're going to elevate our awareness of the functions of a father. Why? Because not only is the Most High our father, he refers to himself as father many times throughout the text or the literature. He refers to us as his children. So provision is one of the things, brothers and sisters, that you add to the context of any scripture that refers to you as his children or he as your father. See? Let's go to 1 Timothy 5 and 8 to talk about this provision. Let's see. Follow us, brothers and sisters. 1 Timothy 5 and 8 reads, what does it say, brother? 1 Timothy 5, verse 8. But if any provide not for his own. What did that say? But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he hath denied the faith, and is worse than an infidel. And what? And is worse than an infidel. Look at that. See? It's clear that it's mandated to provide for what you produce. Period. So that means what? The Most High. If He produced us, He will provide. You got to have that faith. You got to have that faith. Read that one more time, please, brother. Verse 8. But if any provide not for his own, and especially for those of his own house, he has denied the faith. And it's worse than an infidel. He have done what, brother? He have denied the faith. And it's worse than an infidel. So to neglect this God-ordained responsibility is to effectively deny the faith, brothers and sisters. Are you seeing that? See? So today we're going to examine the Father's provisional nature. Because we're already reading here that a Father is to provide. Provide what? Because it's not just monetarily. Let me be clear on that. Because I know brothers, you know, from back in the day, who they don't want anything to do with the child. They'll send money. <laughs> nah. You're not going to get off that easy. You're not going to get off that easy. It's talking about providing more than just, you know, economics. Let's go to Isaiah, brother. Let's go to the Tanakh. Isaiah 25 and 4. What does that read, brother? Or what does that say? Because why? We're talking about provision. What does a father provide? Isaiah 25 and 4. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress. Read that again, brother. <clears throat> Verse 4. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, 
a strength to the needy in his distress. Now look at that. When it says a father has been a strength, this is telling you a father provides security and certainty. A refuge from the storm. A shadow from the heat. When it says a refuge, brothers and sisters, that means a father provides a place of safety, a retreat, a protection. A shadow from the heat. A what, brother? A shadow from the heat. Shadow gives refreshment and rest, shelter from the storms of life. When the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. Read that from the top, brother, please. Isaiah 25, verse 4. For thou hast been a strength to the poor, a strength to the needy in his distress, a refuge from the storm, a shadow from the heat, when the blast of the terrible ones is as a storm against the wall. See, so what we're reading is compulsory for a father. See? It's not just money. It's not just economics. That's not a father. <laughs> We're reading here what a father provides. Why do you need to understand this? Because when it refers to the Most High as your father, or it refers to you as his children, this is the concept here, brothers and sisters. You automatically have this concept here and add that to any text that you're reading. This is, it helps you understand the scripture, brothers and sisters. When he refers to himself as a father, he's talking about being a provider, usually a protector, a teacher, because those are all the things a father is. See? Let's go to Proverbs 14 and 26 to talk some more about this provision, brothers and sisters. What does the Most High or what does a father provide? Now, this is also for the men. Who are in a relationship. What is he supposed to provide as a father to his wife and his children? Proverbs 14 verse 26. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence. And his children shall have a place of refuge. And what? And his children shall have a place of refuge. See, there it is. See how it refers to us as his children? Then what does it say? Read it again, brother, please. Verse 26. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. See, so a father is a fortress or a place of protection. A father is supposed to provide protection. See that word children? You have to pay close attention to the relational terminologies that the Mosai uses for our relationship. Because when he refers to us as his children, that means he's our father. That a father... Provides protection. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 26. And the fear of the Lord is strong confidence, and his children shall have a place of refuge. See? So the terminology utilized gives indication of his functionality, brothers and sisters. It says, you know, a, a, a refuge. So like a fortress, we can run to the Father for safety, brothers and sisters. The Most High will provide and protect abundantly, brothers and sisters. He will protect and provide us abundantly for his children. So I need you to really look at this scripture. Because this gives an indication of everything we've been teaching thus far. Those relational terminologies 
He's referring to us as his children. And as a father, what? You're a protector. So that means you have to go to him for protection. You must have faith that your father will protect you even in storms. No matter what case you're in, he is your father, which means he has to provide for you. That's where your faith comes in because you understand if he is my father and he is, he has to provide protection. And so does a man who has a wife in a relationship. He has to provide that protection. Why? Because the man was the source of the woman. See? Let's go to Exodus 4 and 22, brethren, to magnify that protection point. Exodus 4, verse 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord, Israel is my son. What did thou say? Israel is my son, even my firstborn. There it is again. <laughs> Israel is my son. Here's that relational terminology again, brothers and sisters. Now look at it for the rest of the scripture now. Here it is. He's referring to us as his children. Read that again. Verse 22. And thou shalt say unto Pharaoh, Thus said the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. So son implies the Most High is a loving father. Continue. Verse 23. And I say unto thee, Let my son go, that he may serve me. And if thou ref if thou refuse to let him go. And what, brother? And if thou refuse to let him go, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. See? So as a father, he's obligated to protect his offspring. See that, brothers and sisters? He referred to us as his son. And if you don't let my son go, I will slay your son. I will slay the firstborn, showing you what? The functionality of a father. It's very important to look at the relational terminologies he's using in all of the texts. Anytime it speaks of, you know, a relationship between us and him, the relational terminology will give you more understanding for the scripture, brothers and sisters. So we're showing you here that what a father is a protector. See? So not only is he our protector as a, for a man who's in a relationship with a woman or when a woman is around, not even just his woman. Guess what? We're supposed to protect the woman. Why? Because woman came from man. Therefore, should be protected and provided for by man. And this is part of that provision. Let's go to Proverbs 4 and 1, brother, please. Proverbs 4, verse 1. Hear ye children, the instruction of a father. What did that say, brother? Hear ye children. There it is again. The instruction of a father. And attend to knowing understanding. And do what? And attend to known understanding. Now look at this, because here's another function for a father. Brothers and sisters. Read that one more time, please. Verse 1. Hear ye children, the instruction of a father. And attend to no understanding. Now look at this. This is showing us what? This is showing us that fathers are duty bound to be diligent in their teaching. See? Here we're reading the responsibility of fatherhood. Not only does he provide 
you know, protection, but he provides instruction. See? So those who disregard parental instruction is a fool. Read that one more time, brother, before we move on, please. Verse 1. Hear, ye children, the instruction of a father, and attend to no understanding. This is key. We just wanted to help you see. Children, husband, wife, spouse, all these terms, they mean something, brothers and sisters. When you look at this scripture, he refers to us as children and him as father. And since the father is the source, everyone who comes out of him must look to him for instruction. See? So a man who's in a relationship with a woman is supposed to know God good enough in his Bible that he can instruct his wife. See? That's what a man is supposed to be. He's supposed to be able to instruct his children. So men have to get back to being male according to God. Because we've, you know, we've distanced ourselves from God's understanding of what male is. We think male is someone who, you know, uh, who because he has sex with a lot of women. <laughs> Brother, how confused are you? How confused are you? Because the Bible teaches us how to be a husband. The Bible teaches us how to be a wife. The Bible teaches us how to be a father. The Bible teaches us how to be a child. All of that you can learn in the Bible. See? Because this is dual here. It's showing you as a father, you are to do what? You are to instruct your children, your wife, because she is your offspring. And also, if you are a child... You must listen to the instruction of your father, which means, guess what? The Most High is going to teach you what you need to learn. He's going to tell you what to do. You're not going to tell him what you're going to do. See how that works? That's dual, brothers and sisters. It works both ways. <laughs> it works both ways because you know that God is the father. So that means you must take heed to his instruction. See? Let's go to Isaiah 38, brother. I think we're getting somewhere. I think brothers and sisters are now understanding. I think they're getting some quality understanding now. Isaiah 38, verse 19. What does that say, brother? The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The what, brother? The father to the children shall make known thy truth. A father is compelled to propagate and perpetuate the goodness of the Most High. See? To his offspring. And his offspring includes the woman. And now you're understanding why he disregarded Adam. When Adam tried to blame Eve <laughs> for why he sinned, what did Adam say? It was the woman that you gave me. The Most High didn't even respond to that. Why? Because it was foolish for Adam to try to blame his offspring for why he sinned. <laughs> Mozart didn't even want to hear that mess. Come to me with that garbage. <laughs> That's what the most I was thinking. How are you going to blame your offspring for your decision? Read that again, brother, please. Verse 19. The living, the living, he shall praise thee as I do this day. The father to the children shall make known thy truth. The what, brother? 
the father to the children shall make known thy truth. This is the burden of that office of fatherhood. Are you seeing that? See? So children need to be taught and instructed or we'll default to our depraved impulses. That's crystal clear, brothers and sisters. We're showing you what a father is. Anytime he refers to us as his children or his son or his daughter or he as our parent or our father. We're showing you that what? According to Isaiah, a father provides the wisdom of the truth. A man should be able to do that with his woman. See, you should be able to instruct your woman on what is right. You may not be able to break down prophecy and all that. You don't need to break down prophecy and all that. You need to break down what's right. <laughs> what, what can we eat? What can we not do? When is the Sabbath? When is the holy day? Stay away from holidays. See? That's the man's responsibility. We're learning. We're learning, brothers and sisters. Let's go to Psalm 78, brother, please. <clears throat> Psalm 78, we're going to have Brother Joshua read verse 5. Psalm 78, verse 5. <clears throat> What's that say, Brother? For he established a testimony in Jacob, and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers. Which he did what, Brother? Which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. That what, Brother? That they should make them known to their children. See? Look at that, brothers and sisters. Commanded to diligently transmit the knowledge of the literature. Who did he say? The fathers. See? Now guess what? Everything that came after man, man is the source of. See? So it wasn't just Cain and Abel. It was Eve also. Why? Because it took a rib from Adam. Which would make him the source. Read that one more time, brother, please. Psalm 78, verse 5. For he established a testimony in Jacob and appointed a law in Israel, which he commanded our fathers, that they should make them known to their children. See, now the key is, brothers and sisters, we aren't capable of truly teaching until we're first following. And that's the key. This was the responsibility since antiquity. Because I know some brothers who say, well, yeah, she, she won't submit to me. Listen, brother. A man worth submitting to never has to tell a woman to submit. A woman will submit when she can trust you consistently. That's the key. It must be consistent. Because anyone could be, you know, anyone could be a man of God for one day out of the year. One day a month on Easter. She needs to see that from you consistently. She needs to see a change in you consistently. And then... When she sees you have acquiesced to your father, then she will acquiesce to you if she's the woman God had for you to, to be with. Brothers, we're just here magnifying the responsibility of a father because he is our father, which means he will teach us the truth of the gospel. He will teach us what days to celebrate. You don't tell him what to celebrate. You're his child. If he say the Sabbath is on Saturday and that's the day you observe, the Sabbath is on Saturday and that is the day you observe. Because he's the father here. 
Let's go to Isaiah 64, brother. Because we're showing you that a father provides instruction. This is part of that provision. And he is our father. Isaiah 64 and 8. What does that say, brother? Isaiah 64, verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our father. Thou what? Thou art our father. Examine the word father, brothers and sisters. Why? Because it magnifies the paternal love of the Most High. We are the clay. We are what? We are the clay. And thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. See? So what is he telling you? We're dependent on the Most High to make us into what he would have us be. See? Now, you get all that just from the word Father. <laughs> this helps you understand, brothers and sisters. That simple, singular word opens your mind up. Could you read that again, brother? Verse 8. But now, O Lord, thou art our Father. We are the clay, and thou art potter. And we all are the work of thy hand. We what? We all are the work of thy hand. So that means we're dependent on him to shape us, brothers and sisters. Why? Because the clay is unable to mold itself. See? And therefore must acquiesce to the hand of the Father. The offspring has no liberty to instruct the parent like Adam tried. <laughs> like he tried to claim Eve, you know, deceived him. Nah, brother, you wasn't deceived. When you read the literature, it tells you that Eve was deceived. Adam made a purpose decision. He knew better. So we don't blame sisters because Eve was deceived. She didn't know what she was doing was wrong. Adam knew. And a lot of times that's what happens. Men know exactly <laughs> what they're not supposed to be doing. But because a woman <laughs> wanted you, or coerced you, manipulated you, You'll go against God. She doesn't even know what you're dealing with. She don't know what God told you. You know, though. See? So are we saying never listen to a sister? Absolutely not. You would be a fool to not listen to a sister when she's educated on matters that you're not. But when it comes to morality and what the Bible says, you are not to acquiesce. You are to be the leader. And guess what? A leader means you do it first. <laughs> There's a difference between a leader and a boss. <laughs> a leader does it first. Let's go to Proverbs 29 and 17. What does that say, brother? Proverbs 29 verse 17. Correct thy son. Do what? Correct thy son. There it is again. Son. And he shall give thee rest. Yeah. He shall give delight unto thy soul. So look at that, brothers and sisters. It's telling us what? Fathers administer the short-term pain of correction to shape a child's long-term character. So that means what? You can expect the Most High to correct you. <laughs> See? Why? Because he's your father. And as your father, he is obligated to correct you when you're wrong. Me also, brothers and sisters. Why? <laughs> because that is the function of that office. Read that one more time, brother, please. Proverbs 29, verse 17. 
correct thy son, and he shall give thee rest. Yeah, he shall give delight unto thy soul. See? So a father has to administer that correction. Why, brothers and sisters? Because ignoring foolish conduct reinforces it in a child. See that, brothers and sisters? Rest and delight depend on correcting children, not accommodating them. So you can expect for that. And guess what? Brothers, if you're in a relationship and your woman is doing something against God, you're obligated to let her know that respectfully. Well, you know, actually, the Bible says we're not really supposed to do that. Not be manipulated into saying it's okay and then you doing it. Because that happened many times in the Bible where men were led astray doing things they had no business doing through a woman. Started serving other gods and all that through a woman. Understand your place as a male. Also understand your place as a, uh, as a child <laughs> to the Most High. That's for brothers and sisters. Today's lesson is the truth is in the details. And I believe at this point, we're getting a wealth of knowledge here. We're understanding that I need to pay close attention to each and every word in each and every verse, especially the relational words, the words that emphasize the relationship between you and the Most High. Let's go to Proverbs 3 and 11, brother. Proverbs 3, verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. There it is again. <laughs> what did it say, brother? My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord, neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth he correcteth, even as a father the son in whom he, in, in whom he delight. In what? Even as a father, the son in whom he delight. Now look at that. Solomon instructs us not to despise the father's discipline or become weary of his reproof, brothers and sisters. Why? Because that is the proof of his parental love. Read that one more time, brother, please. Verse 11. Proverbs 3, <clears throat> verse 11. My son, despise not the chastening of the Lord. Neither be weary of his correction. For whom the Lord loveth, he correcteth, even as a father, the son in whom he delighteth. See? So the father's correction is not punishment, it's remedial, brothers and sisters. Are you seeing that? A father who loves will point out wrongdoings and its destructive consequences, brothers and sisters. We're learning all of what the provision of a father entails. We first started off with what? That wife and husband relationship. We started off with that. We understood that when he referred to us as his bride or his wife or he as, his, as our husband, there's a certain concept that comes with every scripture that had those particular relational titles. Then we move to what? The parenting. When he refers to himself as our father or us his children, his son, his daughter. See? Let's go to Psalms 89 and 30. We're almost done here, brothers and sisters. 
Psalms 89 and 30 through 32, brother, please. Psalms 89, verse 30. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgressions with the rod. Then what? Then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with stripes. So look at this. These scriptures emphasize parental discipline, brothers and sisters. So not only are we reading correction as a father, but obedience as a child. Look at all that that we're learning. Just from simple study, brothers and sisters. After this lesson, you know, is over, brothers and sisters. I believe this will amplify and stimulate your, un stimulate your understanding, brothers and sisters. You will be able to better understand or comprehend the richness of the text. Can you read that from the top, brother? Verse 30. Psalms 89, verse 30. If his children forsake my law and walk not in my judgments, if they break my statutes and keep not my commandments, then will I visit their transgression with the rod and their iniquity with, the, with stripes. With what? With stripes. See? So it magnifies what? Parental correction, brothers and sisters. Follow us to Hebrews chapter 12, verse 6 through 8. Hebrews 12, verse 6. For whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. Now there's that word son again, doing what? Emphasizing a parental, what? A parental relationship if ye endure chastening God dealeth with you as with sons as what as with sons for what son is he whom the father chasteneth not but if ye be without chastisement wherefore all partakers then are ye bastards then what then are ye bastards and not sons see so look at that brothers and sisters read that from the top please brother Hebrews 12 verse 6 for whom the Lord loveth, he chasteneth, and scourgeth every son whom he receiveth. So we should never respond to correction with bitterness or despair, brothers and sisters. We should see the Father's discipline as his training. He's saying, listen, if I correct you and chasten you, you're my son. If ye endure chast chastening, God dealeth with you as with sons. For what son is he whom the Father chasteneth not? But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore are all our partakers, then are ye bastards. Then what? Then are ye bastards and not sons. So those who do not experience discipline, brothers and sisters, are what? <laughs> Equivalent to a illegitimate child. <laughs> he said, listen, if, if I don't chastise you, then you're a bastard. You're not my son. Because I only correct and chastise those who are my children. Showing you what? <laughs> A father is supposed to do what? Discipline. Correction. Instruction. Provide. Protection. Counsel. Guidance. All that, brothers and sisters. And see, that's what should be in your mind anytime he refers to himself as father or you as his child. That's what he wants to be in your mind. That helps you 
with clarity to the text, brothers and sisters. Read verse 8 one more time, brother, please. Hebrews 12, verse 8. But if ye be without chastisement, wherefore all are partakers, then ye are, then are ye bastards. Then what? Then are ye bastards and not sons. Those who are loved can expect to experience the Father's discipline, brothers and sisters. That's, that's scripture. That is scripture. If you believe that you can do what you want to do and get away with it and the Most High don't correct you. Listen, if the Most High is not correcting you, it's because he doesn't care about you. See, if you don't, I mean, listen, if you see a child out there in the streets acting wild and all that, you're not going to correct them. I mean, that's somebody else's problem. <laughs> see, you see another sister out there, you know, wearing skimpy clothes with her chest pushed to her chin. Another brother's not going to say something to her about it. Not my problem. See? Last scripture, Ephesians 5 and 1. What does that say, brother? Ephesians 5, verse 1. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. As what? As dear children. Read that again, brother. Be ye therefore followers of God as dear children. See? So, believers in Christ enjoy a father-child relationship with the Most High, brothers and sisters. And guess what? A child naturally seeks to copy who? Copy what they're seeing in a loving parent. And guess what? Paul commands that those who follow the Most High imitate the Most High. That's why we went into this, brothers and sisters. Jeremiah said, don't boast in your strength. Don't boast in your riches. Boast in your knowledge of God. And we learn a myriad of, you know, a myriad of characteristics and functions of the Most High. Could you read that one more time, brother? Ephesians 5, verse 1. Be therefore followers of God. As dear children. This means striving to do as he would do, brothers and sisters. Today's lesson was titled, Truth is in the Details, where we utilize biblical literature, brothers and sisters, to help us catch emphasis on words that would help illuminate or give clarity to the entire text. There's certain words, brothers and sisters, so when you learn the Bible, when you study the Bible, you must do it thoroughly and take your time. Take your time because one missed word can change the entire complexion of the literature. Today's lesson, <clears throat> truth is in the details. We want to say, Kwam Yashrala. Kwam Yashrala. Sin no more. Sin no more.